Welcome to We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. And who am I? I was your wacky 10th grade English teacher who would occasionally rap a Shakespearean soliloquy, would always encourage a live performance of a book report, and would occasionally dress up in costume as Professor Dumbledore to host an ethics debate, who then, after nearly a decade, decided to take the massive leap of faith to attend a coding boot camp, switch careers, and dive deep into the tech industry. I've been surprised by how many of the skills and lessons I learned as an educator have translated to my role in tech. So that got me thinking, have you taken a non-traditional route to tech? Or are you interested in transitioning yourself? This is a podcast that aims to interview career changers and folks who are diversifying tech. We'll hear stories from people who've taken unique paths and chat about the skills that they've transferred to their roles today. We're hoping to create a space for people to learn from one another, develop confidence, and debunk the antiquated notion that a computer science degree is required to succeed in tech. Come on, everyone, let's dive in. My guest today is a senior backend engineer with over eight years of experience in tech, from the front lines of support to managing a team. While spending most of her career in entertainment technology, she worked tirelessly to help movies and television get made faster and cheaper. A Philadelphia native, she's an art school graduate and a self-taught Python developer. And she also runs an interview format tech podcast called From the Source to answer the questions of what tech jobs are really like. So be sure to check that out. Her name is Michelle Brenner. She works tirelessly to promote diversity and inclusion in tech by organizing events, mentoring, and conference speaking. And I am so excited to have her as a guest today. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, of course. Uh, So let's start at the beginning, shall we? Yep. Okay. So can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Yeah. So I actually started out as a computer science major when I was in college in 2002. Oh, interesting. It was a weird time because it was right after the dot-com bubble had burst and there was no one really advising on what a computer science major could do. Like right now, Mm. it seems like the possibilities are endless. But Mm -hmm. back then, it was basically like, well, you could work in IT. And that's actually the first internship that I got, which was working in IT at a middle school. Mm. And it was terrible. Uh, (laughs) There was no direction. They were just like, set up some laptops, make sure the teachers know how to log in. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, Be around when they have questions. Like, yeah, that seems tough. (laughs) I watched a lot of like movies on my laptop waiting for things to break. And it was just like, Mm. I don't want to do this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about other things that I really enjoyed, and I always loved art and drawing, and there was always a part of what I was doing, and I was like, let me try this. So I actually switched to art school, and I loved it because I got to combine art and computers because I was working in 3D animation, which is entirely in computers and design, yeah. and it was really fun. Yeah. But then I got my first job in visual effects at Sony Pictures Imageworks, wow, eight years ago, yeah. um, and it was actually a kind of a support engineer role. And it was such a fantastic opportunity because what happens is that they would bring in all these people with only kind of basic technology skills and then train them up to work in kind of anywhere in the company. Mm. 
So that's actually where I started learning more programming skills and it kind of started to come back to me. And that's where I learned Python because basically like if you could learn Python, you could automate your job and then have more time to learn more about the art side of the industry. So that's really what I wanted to do. So that was really great. And I worked there uh, for five years. I was leading a team and that was really great, except the industry changed around me. It wasn't what I expected. Uh, Part of it was being comfortable moving all around the country and the world and Mm -hmm. working a contract. And it was just, I realized that wasn't for me. And I was like, well, I've been really enjoying this programming. Let's see where that takes me. I see. So that's when you made the switch to kind of go all in on that. Yeah. I realized when you're in college and you're younger, you you think of these jobs like, this is a dream job. This is all Mm -hmm. I want. This is the only thing that'll make me happy. Mm -hmm. And slowly I realized what makes me happy is working with cool people and working on fun (laughs) projects. Mm -hmm. And programming gave me that opportunity to kind of pick and choose because it's such a like hot commodity right now. There's so many opportunities to make cool things with cool people. Yeah, for sure. Okay, neat. And so I usually ask, so what was that like moment that you decided? So it sounds like while on the job, you realized that this would lend you to pursue other interests and things like that. Yeah, it was basically on the job. My boss was super encouraging to automate everything. She would do things like, it was so cool. For everything you automated, you'd get a piece of candy. And then <laughs> at the end of the quarter, whichever team had automated the most, you get a pizza party. And it was so silly, but so encouraging. Because it'd be like, that's so cute. Everyone could do this. And it wasn't just individuals. Like, if you helped everyone around you be better, mm-hmm. then you'd all win. Like, if you just worked by yourself, you'd never get the pizza party. <laughs> so, so it's collaborative. No, I love yeah. that. It's a team thing. So, what is an example of something that you would automate in, the, in those early days of you learning to program? So, we had something called the render queue. Basically, when you're taking something in visual effects from original drawings and designs to that kind of polished image that you see on the screen, it yeah. takes a lot of processing power. So, we had a huge render farm that was constantly processing those designs into those rendered images. And part mm-hmm. of my job was to watch that and make sure the right things were happening. So the, one of the projects I really enjoyed working on was taking all that data and transforming it into a report that was very easy to read. So the producers would stop calling me and saying, when is this <laughs> going to be done? When is this going to be done? I'm like, it's just math. I'm just looking at something and it says, okay, it's done 10 frames in 10 minutes. So it's going to do 20 frames in 20 minutes. I'm tired of doing that math for you. I'm just going to write a little automated email and send it to you every couple of hours and then you oh, won't bother sure. anymore. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Very cool. Oh, that's so neat. And so let's bring us to today. Can you tell me more about what you do now? Sure. So right now I work at Chow Now. Mm-hmm. We create uh, apps to make online food ordering easier for mom and pop restaurants. And so my job is to take these big ideas of like, here's a new feature, or a new set of features that we want to do, kind of break it down and make it happen. So oh, I work cool. entirely on the back end and um, I'm in kind of a squad with someone in QA and a project manager, an automated tester to kind of make sure these big ideas that usually last a couple months and get them out the door so that restaurants can focus on making great food instead of worrying about how to find customers and that technological part of it. Oh, that's so neat. That must be really fun to see that then in production then too, to use it yourself or be a customer. It's super fun. One of the big projects <laughs> I worked on was working on with Google. So now if you go search one of our restaurants on Google, you see a little order online button and you click on that and you see Chanel's logo and it just feels so good because every time I click on it, I know it's my code running. Oh and my every gosh. time it works, the you're best. like, oh, this worked again. 
Excellent. For sure. <laughs> yeah, that continuous um, surprise of like, yeah, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great feeling. Oh, that's incredible. I love it. So Michelle, what would you say kept you from entering the tech industry before you did? Would you say it's when you were studying computer science and they weren't sure kind of what direction you could take from it? Was that kind of the blocker? Yeah, it's basically like no one told me about the opportunities mm. or I just didn't see it. I didn't see the jobs. I didn't see what projects I could contribute to. You know, as yeah. I said, that first internship was in IT and that's not really what I wanted to do. And it just felt like there was no opportunities at the time. And I think it was just mm-hmm. the time that it was because it was right after the dot-com crash. It seemed like people weren't going to be making giant websites and doing cool things anymore. Yeah. So there was like a lack of definition or to kind of like see yourself in and to pursue for sure. That makes a lot of sense. So would you say that going to art school has, does that help you today? Or do you see that kind of playing into your role right now as a back-end engineer? I actually think about all the time during code reviews <laughs> how similar art critiques are and mm. how being in art school it I wasn't very good so that's part of it is that I wasn't so it was so really hard yeah. for me. oh that's interesting and like I didn't I just wanted to make cool things and I just imagined like in my brain my art was really good and then when I got to the page it just didn't happen mm. So I would get these really tough critiques and I was about learning to listen and iterating on them and then taking the emotion out of it. Yeah. And that's the same thing with code reviews. It's like if you care so much about your code that you can't iterate on it, you're not going to improve. So I think Mm -hmm. having those skills of being like, if someone tells me delete everything and start over, I'm like, okay. Yeah, for sure. You're still paying me. And also the second time is probably going to be better than the first time. Yeah, that's that's funny. As a writer or when I was teaching English, it was a lot of your first draft is always going to kind of suck. And so just don't get married to that sentence or the, the narrative that you're framing it as right now. Like learn to be comfortable in that editing process and that the more you edit, the more you refine, revise, etc. It's going to be stronger. And I think when you can become comfortable with that, that's incredibly empowering. Exactly. Definitely. Oh, very cool. I love that. That's a great spin or way to see that that prior experience is a benefit or is something that makes you stronger today. That's really, really cool. So would you say that those skills differentiate you from your coworkers who have may taken maybe a more traditional route to tech? I think that and then also the fact that my first job was a support engineering role mm-hmm. and in entertainment where you had to work very fast and you just mm-hmm. had to get things done. Because everything's uh, on a project base. You know, a movie's going to come out when it's going to come out. So if you don't automate that tool or or make that new software in time, it's just useless. You might as well just throw it away. So it's Uh. about what is the fastest way I can get something done for my client because they need to just get it done. So I Mm -hmm. think about that all the time. And I very rarely want to like roll my own. Like if there's a tool out there that does what I need, I'm going to grab it. Because I want to put my clients first and think about how can I get something done for them as fast as possible? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And so so you bring that to the table and then can, I'm sure your teammates can learn from that and probably really appreciate it as well that you come with that lens. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you share any life lessons that you've learned from your transition to tech? I think the big thing is that there's no really like dream job. Every job is going to be boring <laughs> at some point. Like, you know, uh, yeah. I was working on movies and I was also shelving backup tapes. Like there's just one, there doesn't matter what industry or what project you're working on. There's always going to be boring parts. So for mm-hmm. me, it's all about finding the team that I enjoy spending all that time with. But Mm -hmm. also on a project that makes you feel good and is ethical. Because there's, you know, as a senior engineer, I get recruiting emails constantly, but most of them I'm going to ignore because they're companies I don't think I could feel good working with that 
company uh-huh. day in and day out because I know they're making the world worse and not better. Yeah. So kind of sticking to your moral compass in that regard. Yeah. It's really hard, especially in the beginning <laughs> when it's like, oh, people throwing money at you and for sure uh, all those fun things. But it's like the day to day, you'll realize that matters less and less. So, and there are so many opportunities. And those perks become kind of not worth it in the end. And I I notice that you do a lot of mentoring and speaking at conferences. Is this advice that you have given others to kind of pay attention to that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the big things I've talked about actually lately with mentors, uh, with mentees, is to figure out what you want first and then find the company that matches that. Like, don't Mm. just scroll through a bunch of job listings because there's so many. Yeah, define it. Yeah, think about your values and the industry, and then it makes it much easier to focus. Like, okay, this is the company. I want to work in ed tech. I want to help kids. Mm, Just go for that one and like go for broke and you'll find the opportunities that work best for you. I see. No, that's really, that's smart because then you can zoom in and then you can demonstrate interest to them and you can really speak to it in your interview. And it just, you know, that enthusiasm is going to become apparent in the interview. And so then that becomes just like, you become such a desirable candidate at that point. Absolutely. If you're passionate about the subject matter and the business, it's going to be way more important than knowing the exact programming language. For sure. Like if you traverse the tree correctly or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. I've had the weird, sometimes the weirdest interviews where someone would be like, oh, I don't actually watch movies. And I'm like, what? Like, this is bizarre to me. Like, why are you applying for a job? Yeah. Movies? Yeah. <laughs> you don't even like movies. Like, That's so funny. I once told my Kindle manager when I was at Amazon that I didn't believe in Kindles. And he was <laughs> like, you're hired. And I was like, what? So I think the it was a complete opposite moment, but yeah. it was uh, me just demonstrating like complete vulnerability too, and like willing to be honest. I think was it more like you thought Kindles could be better, so you were like, I want to come in and make Kindles for people like me. I mean, honestly, I just was like, it was the end of a loop day, and was like, I'm. Sorry, man. Like, I'm an English teacher at heart, and I believe in annotating the page and just like ripping your book to shreds. And just like, I love a good smell of an old book. And he was like, dude, I don't, what? Like, who is this person right now? Like, Gosh, I haven't thought about that in a while. Uh, yeah, but it was a great team. It was, I, 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 I'm a convert now. I love, I love my Kindle. So they wooed me. <laughs> Maybe it was the challenge in it, right? Yeah, oh they were gosh. like, if we can get her, we can get anyone. Exactly. Like, and here I am, like evangelizing them. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, good on them. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so can you tell me, Michelle, about a time that you have felt like an outsider and how you have dealt with that feeling? Absolutely. When I was transferring from entertainment and trying to find something new, so mm. this is like a few years ago, I just realized that I want to see what other opportunities they were in tech. And I was okay. starting to solve some of the same problems in entertainment over and over again. And I was like, all right, oh, I need sure. to solve some mm. different problems. And going on these technical interviews that I didn't even, I was like, what is this? Like, what is this six hour day with a bunch of puzzles that I'm supposed to complete? And I was like, this isn't what I know how to do. Like, I know how to do websites and apps and right. things like that. And I was like, like, this isn't what the day in day out job is. Like, why are you asking me these questions? Yeah. And I, you yeah. Know, I, I cried at interviews. Like people would ask me these questions. I just get so anxious <laughs> that I would break down. I was like, yep. I don't understand what this is. Do you, can I just make you an API? Like I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I've been there. I've absolutely cried in interviews. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. 
so like it felt like I would never be good enough to these people that had so much time and on these projects and all the educational background. And mm-hmm. it's funny, what really helped me is I've been working a lot with um, different companies' APIs. Mm-hmm. And the more I see other companies, I'm like, oh, no one knows how to do anything. We're all just <laughs> gluing things together and like For hoping sure. it works. And like For you sure. see things getting better and you see like good patterns. But in general, it's like, oh, we're all just doing our best and trying to get things done. I see. So that kind of helps you handle yeah. that feeling of like imposter syndrome, if you will. Yeah. Just to kind of realize that we're all in it together. I mean, so, okay, could you tell me more about that process of learning to code or learning Python while on the job? What were the resources that you used and how did you, you didn't attend a boot camp, and you definitely taught yourself, like, what did that look like for you? So it's really about starting small and getting those mm. like, really tiny victories. Yeah, I was working on a lot of just like simple scripts that would like move files from one location to another, just starting with that really small and then just building on it. What really helped is there were other technical departments of the company, their Mm. code was all available to me. I see. I was very lucky to have like this direct mentorship where I would try something, get some feedback and then try to make bigger and bigger projects. And the more I automated my my day, the more time I had to work on these bigger projects. Oh, for sure. Good point. Yeah. So a lot of it was just iterating and having really great mentors that would walk me through things. That's awesome. That's really interesting too. I think I find myself, I learn better when I have a problem that I need to solve like that. Like I don't do well with, you know, for example, when you're working through Codecademy, something like that. And it's like, okay, here's a hello world and force scenario, if you will. Like I love, I learn when I need to like solve a problem. I'm going through Stack Overflow, seeing other examples, and then I can see it working and running pretty quickly. And so it sounds like that for you. The goal was to automate, get that done, and then you could start doing other focus on other fun things. And So it's neat that you were able to learn in those moments. And it sounds like mentors were really helpful as well. Absolutely. And I'm just a very project-based learner. So Mm. I really need to have a reason to be doing things. I'm not not the same person that can go home and be like, I'm just going to make this thing for no reason just to learn a new language. Like, no, I'm never going to like, I've started so many tutorials. I've like started so many books and like fallen asleep on like page 10. Yes. uh, Oh, that's so relatable. um, So it's so funny what I do now. So aside from like the day-to-day learning on the job, uh, mm-hmm. My trick now is to submit for conferences on topics I don't know. And then uh, if I get accepted, then I have to learn them. Conference-driven development. Yeah. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I, I think that that is great advice. Uh, that's the next section of this conversation is, you know, advice for those wanting to transition into tech. Yeah, I think that giving yourself a reason to learn something, that for sure makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, and it sets up deadlines, which I definitely need. Otherwise, I'm like, well, yeah. Netflix put out a new show. I could Heck do that yeah. in bed. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> So funny. Oh my goodness. Okay, Michelle. So go ahead and make your shout out. What would you like our listeners to go check out? So I think your listeners would love my podcast from the source. I think so too. Yeah. (laughs) So it was inspired by me going to meetups and talking to people. And they're always like, what is the path? Like, what are the jobs I can take now to be Mm -hmm. this person five years in the future? So I really talk to people about what their job entails now. What's the boring parts? What's the fun parts? Mm -hmm. And what is a good path. Because I, when I tell people how I was a support engineer and how that really helped me, they're like, what's a support engineer? And I'm like, I can't believe this is not out there. And this is how great that experience was to being a better engineer. 
Totally. So it's all about like talking to people with these varied jobs and getting them out there. Um, and I also really wanted to recommend two groups that I work with. Mm-hmm. One of them is Write, Speak, Code. I'm helping to yeah. organize their conference this summer. So definitely check them out. They're all about getting uh, engineers to write blog posts, speak at conferences, and contribute to open source code, basically level up your career. Yeah. And that's been really instrumental to me. So I want to give back and get people out there. I love them. Yeah. And then also locally, I work with Tech by Choice. And they're about like education and events. And I'm kind of just like, I like to work with them in kind of like an adjunct role and get the word out. And so those are the groups I love. For sure. So I'll be sure to provide some links in the show notes, everyone. So please go check them all out. Uh, And then Michelle, where can people find you online? So the best place to find me is on Twitter is Michelle Lynn B. Um, And if you want to link to that. That'd be great. I would love to. I happily will. Okay. Well, thank you again, Michelle. It's been awesome chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap on another episode of We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts and check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.